You're listening to the Rua Space Podcast. Hello, friends. Welcome to a new episode of the Rua Space Podcast with Phil and Aaron. And we're so glad you're with us here today where we explore how to make space for the Holy Spirit in our everyday lives. And today's episode is the second in our current study series, which is about the Lord's Prayer. So if you haven't checked out the first episode, um, you can go back to that podcast episode and it's an introduction to the Lord's Prayer. We talk some about the context to which we should come to the prayer. And today we're going to dig into the actual Lord's Prayer. So we're going to be looking at the first line um, or two lines. I guess it depends how your Bible has it marked. But our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. What's fascinating about it is there's really what we'll explore today is there's four ways we can explore and look at and take away from this passage while we're praying. Yeah, they really kind of flow into one another. So we're going to dive into each and it sort of starts with prayer. or sorry, praise, which leads in our praise of God's holiness to our inadequacy to God. So sort of confession, which then leads us to God's invitation to be his children, which then sort of leads into the fourth part of God's holiness sort of being displayed through us. So it's almost a whole story. And that's all from these first two lines. (laughs) Exactly. And that's why when we are teaching the Lord's Prayer, one of the aspects we're going to preach is sort of praying the prayer line by line and stopping after each line. Because there's a lot to be taken away from it. So one of the things that we commonly do in church, or at least the church I grew up in, is we would say the Lord's Prayer together, but we would just kind of bulldoze through it. So you just kind of start and then everyone prays along and you just go until you get to the end and then everyone stops and you've prayed the Lord's Prayer, which isn't bad. That's not wrong. However, there's also a time and place for praying and stopping after each phrase to reflect and think about that aspect of the prayer. So when we talk about the four kind of angles and takeaways from this first line of the Lord's Prayer, what we'd encourage you to do then is while you're praying this week, to stop after the first line and and consider one of those aspects. And just like when we do Lectio Divina, if you've, if you've done any of those with us, um, you may one day come to the Lord's Prayer and one aspect will really grab at your heart and that's where you'll spend your time thinking and praying. Um, and then the very next day, it that might not speak to you at all. There might be a different aspect of this line that you're like, wow, I need this today. And that's what challenges or encourages you. So we're excited to to dig in. So you ready to get started? Well, and yes, absolutely. And, and I mean, another aspect of how to sort of pray it, we're going to kind of talk about a lot of this kind of in this, this episode as well, is you could just pray this line. So one of the ways you could pray this as we're going through this mm, series is for the whole week, only pray our Father in heaven, holy be your name. And just stop there even. Like you could do the whole prayer and then okay. and then next week, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done and just just pray that. So you could almost spend a whole week even on each phrase and then put it all together. So there's many ways to do it and there's no right way. So basically right there's options. You right. have options this week for how you want to pray. We are through a space. So we want to make space, space for the spirit, but also space in how we come to God. Because there's a freedom. Exactly. And so as much as the Lord's Prayer ultimately becomes sort of a structure, an outline, a guideline, it's actually a guideline that 
makes so much freedom, like giving you different colored crayons and saying, now you can paint a picture. Mm. Well, there's a million ways to use these colors, but each color has its own depth and its own variability and angles and all this stuff. And then you can make something beautiful with one color and then mix it. But it's like the more you understand one aspect, the more it can play with all the other Mm. aspects. And that's why we're taking a week with each phrase, because there's so much depth to it. So at the very beginning, you said the first thing, the first aspect that we can take away from here is that this line or these lines, depending on how you're reading it, is primarily praise to the Lord. So can you unpack that for us? What, What about these lines is similar to other praises in the Bible or? Well, yeah, I mean, so it's the idea of our Father in heaven Holy is your name. So there's a few things there. Mm. One, God is in heaven on the throne of the universe. That there are all these thrones all around the world of things and people wanting to take our praise or trust in them or be our savior or give us our story. But truly, God is the one on the throne of the universe. God is the one who created all things. So, I mean, just just look up at the night sky, for example. All those little stars, right? They seem so tiny. But they're actually, like, many of them bigger than our sun. And Mm -hmm. our sun is so far away. But those stars are, what, some of them billions of light years away, right? Which means at the speed of light, it would take hundreds of thousands, millions, billions of years to get there. And we are just tiny little people on this tiny Mm -hmm. little planet. And God spoke all of that into existence. I mean, that's like it takes me, you know, just editing a podcast episode takes how much time. Yet God created the entire universe. I mean, that is a being worthy of our praise. And God is over all of it in control of all of it. So when you're saying that the first aspect is praise, um, would it be... Would it be right to say, like, after we pray this line, to spend time praising God and reflecting on how vast and great and magnificent and powerful God is, that would be the time to kind of, or what this, I guess I should say that's what this phrase should spur us on to consider. Exactly. Sort of God, the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end, the author, the finisher, you know, our savior, Mm. you know, many of these words, these names for God. Praising God for creation, praising God for God's goodness, for God's provision. It it kicks off the prayer, not with a focus on us, but with recognizing we are coming before the God of the universe. And as we said, not just this line, but the whole prayer has a flow to it. And one line flows from and builds on the previous mm-hmm. one. And so this first line is setting up the whole prayer to say, this is about God. And this okay. is about a God who's in heaven on the throne of the universe. But... Within that, God is our Father. So that's also worthy of praise to say God loves us, sustains us, cares deeply about us. I mean, that's like right before the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says, your Father in heaven already knows what you need. Like God's face is already turned toward us because God is our Father. That's That's something to be praised for. But it gets even more interesting when you get to the holy be your name part. Because in the Greek, this is actually what's known as a divine passive. Now everyone's gonna be like, well, that means nothing. But a passive is the idea of something being done, like passively, right? Not active, passive. It is being made holy. But what's interesting is the one doing the holy making of God's name is God. So basically the phrase is saying God or, or, or the theology behind it is God makes God's name holy. 
Okay. Right? So may your name be made holy. And who's the one throughout scripture that makes God's name holy? Well, God is the one that makes God's name holy. And holy, of course, again, has this idea of, of separated, right? Of just beautiful and amazing. And God's very name, which in scripture, name often has a connection with one's very being, right? So your name denotes something about who you are. So God's very name being holy means our God is a God unlike anything else in love, in power, in mercy, in grace. And so this is why in Isaiah chapter six, for example, when Isaiah comes before God, it says, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted. The train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. So when we're talking about being able to praise God, it's like the whole earth is full of God's glory. You know, Psalm 19 says the heavens declare the glory of God. God created all of it and all gives praise to God. So when we're praising God, we can praise God by praising him for the beauty he's created, for the beauty he's made. But there's this aspect of constant worship going on of God, you are holy, holy, holy. You are set apart. You are special and worthy of all this praise. And so what, what's fascinating, and this sort of leads now into that second, sort of getting into that second aspect, aspect. And, it, and really focusing the, the father part coming in on the third aspect, but the second one being right after that happens in Isaiah 6, in verse 4, it says, you know, at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. And Isaiah's response to all this Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. So we praise God, and we start this prayer by praising God for being our Father, for being the one in heaven, for being the Holy One, for being the Creator. But what that does in us is it makes us realize our inadequacy. And so when we pray this line, behind it is this whole story, this whole formational aspect of really what we're saying when we say this. We're praising God, but we're entering into this tradition of God's holiness revealing our unholy okay. state. And this is why Isaiah says, woe is me, I'm in God's presence, but I'm really not worthy of it. I mean, in Leviticus, for example, um, we're told, you know, be holy because I, the Lord, your God, am holy. But we know scripturally none of us live up to that, right? So Romans says we all fall short of the glory of God. So there's a second component then to this. From praise moves into confession. And what I mean by confession is recognizing and saying to God, God, you are holy and I am unworthy of being your child. I am unworthy of being in your presence because prayer Again, God's face and ears already turned toward us, but we're not really worthy of the God of the universe to listen to our prayers because we sin, right? We're selfish. We go to God just because we want things. We hurt one another. We hurt ourselves. We hurt the creation, right? There's all these ways in which we sort of fall short. And so God's ultimate amazing holiness reveals just how unholy and inadequate we are. So what this means then is as a prayer, we are coming before God completely naked and vulnerable without anything really to give. And so praying, mm -hmm. God, make your name holy, 
reminds us then of it's all God. It's all about God. But, and so there's there's almost a sense in there then when we can sort of <laughs> recognize our own unworthiness. But again, that unworthiness would lead us back to praise again, wouldn't it? Because as much as, un, as, as unworthy as we are, we know that this God invites us to call him father. Mm-hmm. So even though we're unworthy to do it, the very prayer itself invites us to say our father, which by the way is a communal term. We're not saying my father, right? We're saying our father, which means that God is your father and my father and everyone who's listening's father, but he's also the father of your enemy, the father mm-hmm. of your coworker, your neighbor, your spouse, your child, the person you can't stand at in the neighborhood. God is there father too. And Jesus paints an amazing picture of what this means, the type of father that God is. Because there's often confusion, right? Like we call God father, but not all of us had very good earthly fathers. And the thing about this is that the type of father God is, isn't defined by our parents, by our father here on earth. Not even to say that God actually transcends gender and throughout scripture has both male and female qualities in the way that God is spoken of. So God actually isn't male or female. God actually transcends that. But Father gives this image, especially from that culture, Jesus, especially in the parable of what we call the parable of the prodigal son, which isn't really the best term for the for that parable, Um I think Tim Keller calls it the prodigal God because prodigal has this sort of reckless abandon nature to it. The like, not reckless in a negative way, but in the sense of not counting the cost, but living by just giving freely. And so what's awesome in that parable is both sons actually dishonor and abandon the father in a way. The one son by basically saying, I wish you were dead. And this is in Luke uh, chapter 15, the parable of the prodigal son. Um, the bit one son basically saying, give me my inheritance, I wish you were dead, right? And he runs away, he spends it, and then he comes back home. And at that moment in the parable, it's amazing because as the son's walking back home, the father, it says, seeing when he was still a long way off, runs out to him. Now, this is amazing because two things. One, that means the father was looking for him, right? Because you wouldn't see him from a long way off if you weren't hoping that the son would return. So even so, the son had said, I wish you were dead. Even though the son had dishonored him in the whole village, the father was looking for the son to come back and then runs out to him, which was a dishonoring act. The village would have expected him to send the son away, right? Or maybe throw him in jail or kill him or who knows what they would have expected. But instead, the father runs out, puts a robe on him and invites him back into the house. And so when we say our father... Even though we are like that son that ran away, the beauty of getting to call God our father in heaven who is holy is God is inviting us back home. Mm. But it's not through our power that we get to do it. See, the prayer... It's not because we've been good enough that he wants us back. No, and we can't earn our way back. We can't do anything. It is God who's holy. And we recognize that we're not. But what I love about that parable, it goes even one step further because then the older son, when the younger son's welcome back into the party, the older son won't enter the party, right? So the father has to actually leave the party and go ask the older son to come in. 
Now, this is just as dishonor, maybe not, maybe not to the same level of I wish you were dead, but this was a very dishonoring act. The older brother would have been needed in the party, yet he's outside. So the father leaves the party and goes and invites him back in. That's the kind of father we have. One who loves us, who comes after us, who doesn't abandon us, who wants us sort of mm -hmm. to come home. That even though we've fallen short of the glory of God, Jesus, it says in Philippians, didn't count equality with God, you know, staying in heaven, something to be grasped, but what? Became the form of a servant. Why? For us, because God loves us. So the third sort of aspect of it, we started with praise, we moved to confession and how we're not worthy. The third aspect is God invites us back home as a loving father who is our savior. So that's sort of another praise, but it's also a redemptive third stage, that we are redeemed by our God. We didn't have to pay the price. We didn't have to do anything. God ran out to us and paid the price for us to be able to come home, to have fullness in him again. So our Father in heaven, holy be your name. <laughs> this whole story taking place in it, that we praise God because he's the king of the universe, that we are not holy, but because God's the king of the universe, because God's our father, God invites us back home again. Now here then is where this prayer becomes really what I would call a risky prayer because it's not, it's not a safe prayer, which reminds me sort of of C.S. Lewis saying, you know, Aslan the lion, he's not a tame God, right? There's a risk with this God. And I'm not saying negative as if dangerous. What I'm saying is if we say, God, may your name be made holy and God makes God's name holy. What we see throughout the New Testament is that Jesus did the will of the father, right? Jesus was doing what he saw the father doing. Mm -hmm. And then when he invites us into a relationship with him, he then says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and you're going to do even greater things than me, which means we are going to do what the father does, which means through us, God is going to make God's name holy. So when we pray, holy be your name, we're inviting God to make God's name holy through our life, which means that it's going to change some things. One of my friends from uh, seminary used to have this t-shirt company. And I think one of the shirts he made said something, it said something like Jesus ruined my life on it, which I think is hilarious because it's true. It's that aspect of if you want to hold on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose it for the sake of Jesus, you find the true life. So he ruins quote unquote, our old life which wasn't the life we wanted to live mm -hmm. anyway. So this is what Paul is getting at in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, when he says that when you're in Christ, the old is gone and the new has come. This is a verse that we'll probably be, re we'll probably be referencing forever in a million podcasts because I believe it's just so central. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And again, here's the key, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Mm -hmm. So what is he saying? God was bringing his good creation back to himself through Christ. Because God loved, in John 3, 16, God so loved the world, right? Not just individuals, the world that he sent his son. And so we then are given this ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting man's sins against them. Mm -hmm. So there's that redemptive part that we are unholy in God's eyes, yet God doesn't count our sins against us because God is our good, loving father who welcomes us home. Mm -hmm. 
And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. So there's a sense then that in the Lord's Prayer, when we pray, Our Father in heaven, holy be your name, we move from praise to confession to redemption to what we would call in theology sanctification, right? Justification and sanctification. Sanctification being the Holy Spirit forming us to be like Christ. In order that we can because of God working through us, share the holiness of God. Exactly. That God will receive all the glory, which again, loops it all back to what we started with, praise. (laughs) Well, and I think uh, you shared a great example with me earlier about a king and a kingdom and about how if there were a person who went to the king and said, yours is the greatest kingdom, I will serve you. Which is basically what we're doing here. Yeah, may your kingdom last forever. Right. So um, when you basically tell this king, okay, you know, you are the greatest king of all time. I'm with you. Then what happens is when the kingdom is um, at risk, what will you be doing? Because you pledged your allegiance, you will be out in the forefront fighting on behalf of the king. You aren't going to get glory out of it. You aren't going to get land out of it. You may lose everything because of it. But when you've pledged your allegiance, then on behalf of the king, you continue to make his kingdom great. And that's really what um, the sanctification process is, is at this point we've, we've said, you know, as my father, because you are so holy, I will do whatever it takes to continue and show that your kingdom maybe great. Right. And and what's amazing about it is that God does it through us, that we don't get to right. boast in ourselves like, look how I defend your kingdom. Exactly. Because God doesn't need us to defend him. But we are, as you said, sort of bowing down at the throne of the God of the universe and saying, may your name be made holy. That's risky. We're, you know what I mean? Like we're literally bowing down before the God of the universe and saying, God, make your name holy. Because God uses people to make his name holy. Like when you look throughout the scriptures, I mean, God makes his own name holy, but he uses people to reveal his holiness yeah, as he does well. It, yeah, he does it through so many people. Mm-hmm. And and what's beautiful then about that again is where my story sort of falls apart is in the previous example, you could die and you don't get anything. The (laughs) king gets the kingdom. But in this sense, God has given you an eternal kingdom that you are an heir of with Christ. So Mm -hmm. you get to inherit all things to the glory of God. And so... I think that's a better ending than the first story anyway. (laughs) Die as a little peasant with no land and no money. No. I'll take the second story. (laughs) In losing our life for Christ, we gain the true eternal life. That isn't just about when we die. It's about here and now. But as a part of that, we glorify God's name. Mm -hmm. So it's actually the best possible thing that we could do. And so when we pray this simple line, our father in heaven, holy be your name. We are literally moving through praise, confession, redemption, justification, sanctification, basically the whole story of scripture almost. Mm -hmm. And we are saying all to your glory and honor, God, because as you next week, it's going to be your kingdom come, your will be done. So the prayer literally flows into that. So we'll continue our kingdom analogy. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. But it starts with this is a good God who's our father. And so God isn't detached wanting to use us in the sense of for God's own gain to our detriment, but for the gain of all people, all things, the shalom of the world, the reconciliation of heaven and earth 
all together. So when we pray this prayer, you're invited to praise God. You're invited to recognize your own sin and confess. You're, rec- you're, op- you're welcome and invited to recognize God as your father and praise God for the salvific work of Jesus and the fact that God didn't abandon us, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And the fact that we are now invited and honored to make God's name holy, to join Jesus in the reconciliation of all things, to the praise and honor of God, and the fact that there's no better way to live our life. Now, back to, um, you know, I like the practical stuff. So (laughs) you're at home, you've listened to this podcast, you've heard all of these incredible and beautifully worded phrases. Now, what does it look like to do it? And so from a very basic technical standpoint, Um, One, again, we're going to keep saying this. There isn't a wrong way to pray. Um, We are highlighting the prayer of Jesus and using this as kind of a foundation because I think when we understand how God teaches us to pray, then when we go craft our own prayers, it can inform that. um, Yeah, that this would still be a part of that. Yeah. So, So I guess what we would encourage you to do then is when you pray this line of the Lord's Prayer, to make space afterwards to reflect on the aspects that are found in it. So you may one day make space and you end up spending your time thinking about God being your father. And maybe that's a time of healing for you as you reconcile and wrestle with the fact that this heavenly father is so abundantly loving and perhaps that's not your story or what you've experienced. Maybe one day you pray this prayer and you spend the time being challenged considering the sanctification process. And so praying it, it doesn't necessarily mean then that the right way to do it, quote unquote, air quotes on right there, is to go through all four aspects and consider each. You might just think about one part of it or maybe you pray that line of the prayer and there's a a part that you didn't hear us say here but you reflect you know that's inspired you and reaching out to you and you go well is it okay to think about this because it wasn't one of those four things phil and aaron talked about and the answer is yes there's infinite (laughs) totally okay this isn't this has not explored all aspects of it no but this is a we feel this was a good starting spot for you to consider so just from a technical practical aspect um we would encourage you Pray this line, make space, use what we've shared today as your framework for what you might consider. Be free, as our friends in Africa would say, (laughs) be free to consider other aspects that we have not touched on. The important thing is to take the time to make the space to pray in between the lines of this prayer. Now, we also want to say that if you have not subscribed to our newsletter, Make sure you do so because what we're going to be doing is we're going to make a little handout, a printable that is free, um, but you'll be we'll be sending it out through our news our newsletter, so subscribers will get it for free, and and we'll include the aspects on there as well as kind of challenge, uh, questions to ponder. And it's something we'd encourage you to print out. And then as you're reflecting on it this week, use those different questions and prompts to help you reflect on what we've shared. And eventually it'll be posted on the site. So depending on when you're listening to this later on, you'll find that sheet (laughs) on the website downloadable so that you can always have access to that. Yes. Um, But it can be very helpful to write down what stood out to you this time? Is that oh, the it's same, a great journaling Is that the same thing too. a week yeah. from now or a month from now that stood out? Or is there a different aspect? How is God shaping you, changing you? So yeah, absolutely a beautiful practice. So our invitation, brothers and sisters, is to pray the line this week, our Father in heaven, 
holy be your name. And as you pray that, may you listen, may you be present, may you praise God, may you invite God to the risky move of ruining your old life and creating a new one, because ultimately that's the most blessed life possible. You have a father in heaven who loves you for who you are, because God created you. You're not a mistake. You are purposefully who you are and where you are. And God invites you to join him in the work of the reconciliation of all things. So brothers and sisters, our father in heaven, holy be your name. Grace and peace be with you.